first of all, well, thank you for participating. That's really nice. And actually, I mean, I've been looking forward to do something like in collaboration with you and uh, hopefully we can do more in the future. That would be quite good. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, for me, it's a great honor. Uh, I love what you guys are doing, but very, very far away. Uh, it's very inspiring and, and I love to see more people, creative people, creating these communities to foster narratives and to change our present by changing our futures. So thank you, thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so we met, when did we meet? Um, we Maybe actually- Early this year? Yeah, we actually didn't, I mean, I remember the first interaction we had, it was, it was like the realization that we were actually following each other on Instagram like creeps. <laughs> that was quite funny. Um, and then you invited me to be on the cradle. Yes. Uh, that was really, really cool. I mean, to start before we, we were at that space party the night before, that was pretty cool as well with that guy dressed as a disco ball. That was pretty the cool. disco ball, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then Beyond the Cradle was like really mind-blowing. Uh, I had the opportunity last year to go to the International uh, Astronaut Astronautical Congress and there's something a little bit corporate and obviously it's less about sort of cultural stuff and etc but i found that during the iac because it's called like that it's very superficial the way people are like treating topics of space exploration it's more about like look i got a big oh, rocket really? and those kind of thing and beyond the cradle was like very amazing with the uh, lineup uh i really like for instance uh, the one with uh, nahum Tom Zacks, Nicholas de Monchot and etc. Like this was pretty good. And I was I was reading through your introduction for the piece about uh, Mapuche futurism or Mapu futurism. Mm -hmm. And I found like there was lots of kind of similarities with that particular uh, conference beyond the cradle with like what Daniel Wood was saying. Uh, I don't know if you remember, she said about like we need to stop thinking about space colonization, but more as space migration going there. And I found this like echo to what you wrote actually, this uh, kind of anti-imperialist, the colonial perspective that is not necessarily very present in any type of space exploration. It's always kind of like the continuation of Western power in some ways. Right. Uh, but before that, because I'm like going into this conversation straight on, uh, maybe it would be a good thing if I actually uh, ask you to introduce yourself. So, to start with, how do you pronounce your surname? Because the first time I think I, I read your name, I thought you were French. <laughs> well, it is a French name. Uh, yeah, funny, it's a very, very French name, but I'm from Chile and I'm very Chilean. Uh, somebody in my family many years ago was French uh, and migrated to this southern end of the world land of Chile, mm -hmm. but I, I, I pronounce it as Louis Lie. Mm -hmm. um, everybody everywhere pronounces it different, so I guess that's how I pronounce it, and like, I also understand when everybody says it like differently, so it's very dynamic, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I would say my name is Nicole Louis Lie. Uh, I am currently a PhD student and research assistant at MIT Media Lab in the Opera of the Future group. Um, yeah, I did also my master's here in the same research group. Uh, That's basically, a cool name for a research group. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a really really cool place. I think I find I here I found like the right place for developing my research. That is very experimental, uh, but at the same time very hands-on. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's 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 the perfect platform. The the overall the future group it's a uh, among the media lab, the MIT media lab, there's like different research groups, like kind of like 27. It changes every year. Uh, so the Opera of the Future group, you could say that is a group that belongs to the world and the realm of uh, music, science, technology, sound studies, experience, and art, more like in a phenomenological and aesthetic way, let's say. So in this group, we have like different people doing different type of research and from many perspectives and and very different backgrounds, which is really cool because sometimes we come together and we create group projects. So everybody comes from their own like different like tiny worlds to to create like a bigger piece with multi-perspective, let's say. Um, Personally, on the group, my research is about sound and space, uh, space as in the physical space, Mm -hmm. as the spaces we inhabit. space as the relationship between objects uh, and that that space in between that can talk about proximity but also distance. Um, so in, in a, a specific way, my research tries to understand sound as a construction material. Um, That's very, very much like in an architectonic way. So I built a lot of like sonic, uh, well, sound installations, uh, kinetic sculptures, in co- experimental composition to understand sound as a construction material. Mm-hmm. This was part of my master thesis in a very architectonic way and, and understanding perception and by using sound as a construction material trying to create experiences and installations that defy models of perception. Uh, so a lot of like cross-model perception uh, yeah well very like crazy things that, that come to life in some way. Um, uh, now for my PhD, I'm researching the same topics, but extending them and augmenting them into the idea of a construction material, not only for spaces and architectures, but also for identities and agency. So mm-hmm. how sound can be this sort of uh, bridge between the material and immaterial world, and in the same time, uh, be also a construction material that uh, has to do with cultural uh, situations that had to do uh, with how do you identify yourself and how does it bring to life things like things come to life because matter resonates and this resonance of matter basically creates a sonic communication among humans and other humans mm-hmm. humans and non-humans and mostly i'm super interested in understanding this relationship and hybrids between a human and non-human relationships. So what does it mean to be in an environment and relate to the environment itself, but also other than human agents around you? So stuff like that. That's, yeah, just, just, just easy stuff. <laughs> and, 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 and super funny, like in, in this topic, uh, I work also like with sound and space and, and models of perception, not only on Earth, but I also have a little bit of an obsession with outer space and I'm trying to extrapolate how these notions of perception also change depending on, on mediums, uh, matter, resonance, and all that uh, exists all over the place. So for me, it's like so, some sort of interplanetary construction material. Yeah, that's so a- that's when I touch also like the outer space. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so what's your, because you're also involved in the uh, space exploration no, ex- initiative group. 
So right. what's your involvement in that? And I mean, to start with, what, what is that group and what's the, the end goal of the Space Exploration Initiative group? Right. As you say, I'm also part, I'm a member of the Space Exploration Initiative at the MIT Media Lab. And the initiative has, it's like a student-based group that um, started in order to create a, a place where every, all the students are, have some sort of obsession and passion with outer space narratives, mm -hmm. uh, outer space or space exploration technologies and, and development and research uh, can come together and create a monthly meetings with hosting astronauts and different people that comes here where so we can like expand our knowledge and our metaphors and narratives among this topic, right? And which is like, I don't know, it's like almost like infinite, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm part of this, uh, of this initiative that it's, and why am I part of it and, and why I'm excited about it? Because there's a big movement in the initiative of supporting arts mm -hmm. and uh, the thinking about what does it mean to create culture or to think about culture in outer space? Uh, what does it mean to try to create these, uh, these experiences, uh, these narratives, from a perspective that is a non-military, non-commercial, uh, non-corporation, and kind of like try to create a space for everybody uh, and a more just um, appropriation of these ideas. And not only us as, as humans on Earth, uh, just like understand, because like some corporations or empires are telling us what to think about and what like space culture should look like. So it's a little bit to, to be part of that conversation and change mm -hmm. the narratives and affect them too. Yeah, that, that's super interesting because there's one, one um, exercise that we do when we run workshops often. Uh, it, it's not really part of the workshop, but it's a thing that I did multiple times just for myself as a kind of survey. Um, I usually play some random music and I ask the participants to the workshop to try to describe a very precise situation that happens in the future. Like, it can be whatever they want, but um, they need to describe the situation and they need not to be within the situation. So like, I don't know, let's imagine like driverless cars moving around and there's a person, what does the person do? Uh, what is the location? Is it a factory? Is it a home? Is it an office? Whatever. So I ask them to be very, very kind of specific. And the, the twist at the end is like once they finish writing the little piece, it's just five minutes exercise really. Um, I ask them, so can you now describe who was the main character in your particular situation? And more often than not, um, the main character is often a white male <laughs> that right. is a super kind of like technocentric person with like lots of yeah. gadgets and, and stuff like that. And in that sense, like you, you realize that the culture and like, culturally, how, the way we think about the future and the way we think about um, space exploration, it's like it's kind of embedded in that fiction, the narrative. Um, I mean, since future is a narrative construct anyway, uh, right. is, is very much corporation based and more and more those visions are becoming kind of our daily way of thinking about things in general. I mean, and that's, that was really cool uh, because, oh wait, yeah, the Beyond the Cradle conference was uh, organized by the initiative group. I mean, I find it really impressive that it's just a group of students that managed to kind of create that group very quickly. And because, I don't know, how, how old is that group? Like two years or something, I don't know. Two years, yeah. And uh, it was started with a, with a student that she was doing her master's, uh, Ariel Eglow, 
mm-hmm. and now she she she's the director of initiatives. So she has like she pushed it from being a a very very super like informal student uh, meeting monthly meeting, and now she she's leading this like the group is growing and and being they but daily like growing and growing and being more like a, a serious thing like a real thing. It's Which is impressive. It grows yeah. into a corporation. <laughs> oh my god! I like not not a corporation, but a a, a, a community. Like I, I I think it's more important too, and I hope and I, I hope it stays more like a community, more like a movement. Yeah. Uh, that is tries to be inclusive and and not only to include uh, yeah like multiplicity of perspectives, but also diversity in all the the people that are part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, from what I've seen, it's definitely what it's doing is pretty incredible. Um, and now I'd like to talk a little bit more practically about, like, the kind of project that you make, because you give me, like, a, a quite a broad description of your points of interest and also uh, what your research as a broader thing focuses on. And I know that... Uh, you made a, an instrument called the Telemetron. That, that would be great if you just could describe it or like talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, totally. So, actually, as part of the initiative, uh, we did a, a first research flight in zero gravity last November. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that flight, everybody that was involved with the flight uh, needed to propose a project to actually test in zero gravity. So, it was an experimental research uh, project, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, me and my collaborator, Sans Fish, a uh, very good friend, that he's a designer, a space designer, we, we created the Telemetron. And the Telemetron is basically an instrument that is meant to be performed in zero gravity or microgravity environments. Um, we think it is, we might be wrong, but we think it is the first electronic music instrument for zero gravity. Mm-hmm. And it's, what I find interesting about it is that actually you cannot perform it on Earth. So that's really cool. <laughs> Nobody can test here. whether it works or not. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you can test it like underwater. There's like ways to do it, but, but it's not a thing that you can grab and just start making music, which I think it's interesting because it's really, really centered and focused for this uh, very problematic and unique mm-hmm. medium. Um, so what we're doing with this project is not only creating this tool, this device for expression, and, and augmenting the possibilities of the body in this other environment, mm-hmm. and also use the poetics of zero gravity to create and augment a, again, uh, yeah, expression. And what does it mean to floating bodies? Like when you float in zero gravity, the human body and anything else, any any other object, they come to like the same transversal level. There's no hierarchies because actually you as a human, you don't know how to be in this place. Yeah. So you need to like recalibrate your senses and, and recalibrate your, your perception. Uh, since we are gravitational beings and we are actually vertical beings. So it's kind of like a research about these questions, not only not only like about the, the I don't know, the problematic that it means to create an instrument uh, for a specific environment, but actually about what does it mean to interact with this instrument? What does it mean to create a choreography? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it mean to think about how the body and the predisposition to aesthetic function changes in this new environment? So it's really, I don't know, man, it's really cool. And for me, it's really inspiring. And uh, yeah, we are working now in new instruments. Uh, and we're going to be part of a new zero gravity research flight uh, next year in March. So that's yeah, pretty cool. It, it's interesting. So we try to push further. Like the first design, it's 
like the telemetry, I love it, but it's also mm-hmm. in the same time a very, it, it has a lot of uh, failures, it has a lot of problems, things that didn't work well, things that are actually not very well developed. Mm-hmm. Now, but now that we understand the environment better, like the idea is to try to push it further and actually start creating things that eventually could uh, be sent to the ISS or outer space. Yeah, that's the one of the thing. The first time I heard about your project, I mean that particular instrument. Uh, the thing that I was wondering is like, um, how do you start creating this? Because do you start with the possibilities that are given in terms of like uh, spatial movement, and as you said, like the fact that you don't know how to behave, and from a almost like yeah performance perspective, or do you start more from a technical uh, challenge? Because I guess uh, technically it's a little bit like challenging to try to imagine once you're building it on Earth, how right. that thing would behave once it's in space. Yeah, totally. Well, personally, even I'm, I know I'm a researcher at MIT, but I'm not a very technical person. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my background is like nothing about technicisms at all. Uh, but so how I work in, in, in many of my areas is basically I, I, um, I create, I'm an artist, so I create work and pieces and then Behind that, I'm like, okay, so what are the technologies or the challenges that I need to solve for this piece to happen? So for me, it's always before like the aesthetic forms and and the and the narratives and and the the theories, the philosophies behind the projects, and and then whatever technologies come is like the next step uh, for the challenge. Which I don't know. That's how I, I operate, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, in my practice. Then another thing that I think it's more fundamental for the telemetron, more beyond uh, the medium and and the characteristics of microgravity and, and perceptual uh, apparatus is way more about creating a opening narratives that actually open new conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, my, one of my personal heroes, and this is very easy to say, but I, I, like Donna Haraway, mm-hmm. uh, she, <laughs> one of, one of, uh, on her latest book, she says, like, well, we need to tell stories that tell stories. And, mm-hmm. and I, since I read that, like it's really, really like something like a rule for me in some way, in the sense that if you have the possibility to create pieces that are actually going to affect the way we relate with the present, that are going to affect the way we relate to things, uh, it's important. And that's how I try to work. So Telemetron, it's if you start creating instruments that are non I don't know, non-specific, like if you can tell, for example, I've been running some workshops during the summer mm-hmm. in different places where like adults and kids, they, they come and create their own zero gravity instruments in a very speculative way. But these dreams, speculative I mean, fabulation. Now, <laughs> right. And, and for these kids, it's like, and, and hands on, you know, with sensors uh-huh. and shit, so they really can think about it uh, and think about, oh, if I throw this to the air and it rotates and flips and la la la, what type of music that it creates? So the mapping is done, even if it's on Earth, but mm-hmm. then for these kids, it's not crazy to think about spatial music anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, it's, it's, they grow up like thinking it, it's, it's a thing for everybody and not only for a few elite uh, people to think about. So I think it's super important to like create this, like, like this project, these pieces as more than a thing in itself, uh, but as seeds that are pollinating and creating knowledge and creating proximity for mm-hmm. everybody to be part of it. No, so totally. I think that, that's for me way more important than even flying the telemetry in zero gravity. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty fantastic. It's um, it's the the this idea of like trying to um, think creatively about new possibilities and go through like for for instance like with the telemetron or the space exploration initiative, using space as an excuse to do that is is very uh, I think fantastic. And this is also what we figured out um, after doing um, multiple workshops that were not at all related to space exploration originally. Uh, but we realized that people tended to have like a difficulty to actually think about future of putting themselves in other situations if we were like not using like a, a slight different angle and as soon as we use space exploration like people's minds started to open and new possibilities started to emerge even if it's not talking about space exploration at the end it's just like talking about how you look from another perspective your day-to-day -day and how even if you speculate very far you can always bring it to the ideas and values of today and your and what may pertain in the future and those kind of things it, and yeah in some ways it's very empowering as well like um, thinking that there's alternatives to the way things are and not everything's been figured out and not necessarily Western power in control of everything <laughs> right uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, absolutely so when when I was reading so again when I was reading your your description for um, uh, the poem that that we're gonna play after uh, this particular short conversation, I love the idea of like Mapuche Cosmovision and I know we had like a brief conversation uh, earlier, I mean last week, and you had so many informations about that and I didn't know anything about it. I mean I knew uh, Mapuche and I knew a bit about. Uh, um, someone told me a little bit about like my tourism, but I don't know in what context. I don't remember. But uh, uh, most of what you were told, tell me was pretty good. So uh, that would be great if you could just like tell me what is Mapuche cosmovision as a general thing, and leading eventually to Mapuche tourism and and your and your poem. So yeah, so this poem is uh, actually this piece is really new. It was uh, recently exhibited for the first time two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, it was a beautiful, beautiful project where I, I work in collaboration with a Mapuche feminist a poet, Daniela Catrillo. And she, together we did a, a few months, like really interesting research and like hands-on, like understanding what, what are the cosmologies of, of the Mapuche people. Uh, towards and related to, to, to space, to, to the sky, to, to the celestial, right? Uh, and it was super interesting, like we got to like understand, or more than understand, like got to, uh, to a place where we had a lot of information, a lot of like, for example, she being part of the communities, uh, she got a lot of like testimonies from, from the elder or, or, or from people from the community of how do they relate to some stars, uh, to some celestial bodies, and what are the, the names of these stars, what animals do they represent, why do they represent animals, uh, how, like, so many things we got to a research from, from some uh, Chilean and Mapuche researchers about, uh, they did a book about the, the Wenumapu, which is the dimension of the sky for Mapuche, uh, and they also, like, we read a lot of papers from people that were studying these things, so we had like all these uh, process in order to see what are what are the cosmologies for Mapuche related to outer space. Uh, for us, the important of doing this is like actually uh, these cosmologies they exist from like 
thousands of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and they can totally they have a presence that is previous to anything, any technologies that are driven to space exploration today and institutions and and empires, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Mapuche, they're like being doing space exploration like way before than many people, not only the Mapuche, a lot of uh, uh, indigenous cultures throughout mm-hmm. the world. Many of the origin myth, they have to do with space. Many of the ways they relate uh, and how ancestral knowledge works in, in a way where like nature and human are part of the same ecosystem. And basically they are making key with everything uh, are ways of thinking that can actually should be informing the way we think about technologies today and the way we are relating to our world. Um, so by doing this this research with Daniela, uh, it was super super interesting, and, and she came up with, with well actually she came up with this poem, and then what what I did on my side is to create like the whole um, like musicalization around the poem with using sounds from the stars from the Kepler mission from mm-hmm. NASA uh, and also sounds from the space from ALMA Observatory uh, in the Atacama Desert in Chile. So they create the soundscape of this poem and creating this trip throughout the universe, uh, which is the trip of the Mapunauta and how the Mapunauta comes from the sky, lands on Earth, being on Earth, comes to, to the sky again and like this cycle of like connections and relationships. Um, it's, it's super interesting because, for example, the Mapuche people, the, literally Mapuche means the people from Earth, uh, but in the same time, they are multidimensional. So the Mapuche, they live in different dimensions simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And one of the dimensions is, of course, the sky, the celestial dimension, which is called the Wenumapu. Uh, so this poem has a lot to do between the exchange between the Mapuche on Earth and the Wenumapu, and both mm-hmm. of these dimensions. Um, so by doing this, we we started thinking about the notion of Mapu futurism, and and actually uh, today in in Chile there's a lot of problems, as many uh, original cultures in in their own countries, uh, there's a lot of like injustice. Uh, well, anyways, like a lot of problems with the actual government. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. So, so in order, to, there's even like like a something that is called the conflict, um, the Mapuche conflict in the south, that it's it's ongoing. It's an ongoing problem about lands, about rights, about a uh, cultural discrimination, a uh, cultural erasure, even. So, for 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 me and Daniela, it was super important to create this poem in order to tell again this story and tell it from a perspective that how to, to take the, the values of this culture and like mm-hmm. like reframe them and kind of like get uh, people interested about these themes and topics and like put them in value because they are important. Mm-hmm. So basically it has like that, that objective. That sounds super interesting, super exciting. Like, um, yeah, so I listened as well to, uh, to the poem. I mean, very impressive. Uh, I really liked oh, it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. I wasn't sure about it, but <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but no, that was, that was really cool. Uh, I mean, especially after we had the conversation uh, and then listening to it and remembering what you told me about the origin of the project and everything, that was really cool. Um, uh, well done, well done. 
Thank you. It's such a such an honor to be able to share with you. It was really great as well. Like um, this kind of macrofuturism, this idea of like aesthetic implications and um, social identity as well. It's I mean it's things. I mean it sounds pretty basic, but it's something that I think we sort of losing a lot as soon as we start imagining like alternatives to things or like futures or um, suddenly we become like a homogeneous thing and I mean it's basically it feels like the less we can quantify these things um, the more people tend to forget about it it's like everything right. is so quantified to a certain extent that uh, it leads to the disappearance of things like that are mesmerizing and eventually wh more whimsical as opposed to be like um, anyway I don't know why I'm saying that, but I'm just, <laughs> just thinking about this. Uh, but the other thing as well that you wrote in your description is the fact that you planning... So this was the first um, iteration in some ways, because it's a project, you have the ambition for it to be like installations, sculptures, um, performances, sonic fictions. So it's an ongoing project. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, so yeah, so as you said, this is the first the ever first, first thing we did with this topic um, and, and me and Daniela together. Mm -hmm. So we do envision this like as a long-term collaboration. Uh, we don't have like concrete plans so we don't have like an upcoming installation or anything. Mm -hmm. But our, since, I mean, it was such a fascinating research that we want to continue developing this artwork, uh, this research-based artwork. Um, because there's so many things to grab onto, so many stories to tell from like the larger story, that we're like trying to build the the Mapunot uh, myth mm -hmm. from different uh, from all the perspectives we can. So, for example, what are the clothes of the Mapunot? What are like are the things Mapunot? Right. For for example, <laughs> some some sort. What are like the the objects the Mapunot carries throughout universes and galaxies? Uh, yeah. What are the yeah? How does the Mapunot relate to others? So we are looking at this like some sort of like this story it has so many parts that yeah. the poem is a beautiful start to coin the idea to create a movement and to hopefully start including many people doing this and, and be part of it. I hope I hope we'll get more Mapufuturism. Uh, I get to hear more of your uh, sonic fictions as well. Uh, but yeah, the topic is so rich and your research is so interesting. There's like lots of things that you can dig into and materialize into something and share with people. One thing that I found really interesting in your work, whether it's a telemetron and the, or in general, the way you talk about your research is like this idea of like giving accessibility to not only the people who know or the people who are like interested in, and like enthusiasts. Uh, in a particular space, but like trying to create a kind of broader dissemination. I, I think um, yeah. these are the kind of uh, things, and especially that's that's what we ended up doing sounds and trying to do a podcast. And like we thought, oh, let's talk to people who do kind of similar things as well. Uh, this idea of like creating sound, creating something that you can share very easily and eventually um, empowering other people, um, and not only going to conference of people who already agree with you and stuff like that, which I think happens very often um, in kind of like design innovation, future orientated stuff. It's like people will agree with each other and it's really right. cool that you do this uh, kind of project. Uh, well, thank you very much. I don't want to, because you said you had like half an hour for two minutes, we already like half an hour in. Uh, so, but thank you so much for participating. 
even though we met before and we had chat before, actually, I don't think we ever talked in that much in depth about your work. And that's really, yeah. really cool to hear uh, what you're up to and how you're doing things, really, and how you're approaching things, which I think is very refreshing um, in many ways. Um, that That's great. So thank you very much. Well, thanks to you. This is like really, really cool to be part of it. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>